0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are getting out of our own way, changing our narrative, and going from self-sabotage and criticism to self-love. Isn't it time we end the war with ourselves? We can adopt all the media mantras, find gratitude, choose kindness, live, laugh, love, all the while twisted in a love-hate relationship with ourselves. What do others see when they look at you? What do they mention when describing you or giving you a compliment? Is that even what you're struggling with? My guess is no. We secretly despise things about ourselves that no one even gives a second glance or thought about. This creates self-doubt, which interrupts our daily climb, providing detour after detour, stop. Okay, you're at the stop sign, and you have an option of going left or right. Ready to pick a lane? What blinker do you have on? Remember the stop sign, the option of left or right? Let me help you out. Turn left. This promises hairpin curves, unexpected stops, steep inclines, followed by a rush of excitement as you make your hands-free descent. Wait, that might be a roller coaster. Mm. But you get the visual. This is your journey to self-discovery. Each milestone offers rest and a scenic overlook onto freedom freedom for what you've been putting in front of you and your true potential. Now, if you choose to go right, you have a little more control because the path is familiar, straight away followed by a loop to repeat it over and over, full of the potholes and road closed signs you've created along the way. You can pick up your speed here because you can predict when you will break, skid, or run off the road. Predictable, but far from safe. So what's it going to be? Is it time in your life to start doing things differently? What productive and positive thing has self-loathing and doubt ever produced in your life? Then why on earth do you protect it so fiercely? Let's take the steps today to let it go. Want to? Whether you identify with self-hate and loathing to just being too critical of yourself, listen up. We're going to cover it all. The only way to change is to first uncover and identify what's going on. Joe Barrington gives us a window into your critical inner voice on self-loathing in an article she wrote for PsychAlive.com. Self-loathing is that underlying feeling that we're just not good. Not good enough. Not good at this. Not good at that. Not good at or for much of anything. It can be subtle. We may be habitually comparing ourselves to others, for instance, constantly finding fault with ourselves and putting ourselves down with no real awareness that there's anything amiss. Or we may listen intently to our critical inner voice while it scolds and berates us, telling us how embarrassing, stupid, or insensitive we are, refusing to challenge it even while we suffer from it. We may try to suppress this feeling of inadequacy by behaving as though we are superior to others, more intelligent, clever, intuitive, and attractive. It's as though we have to prove that we are the absolute best in order to avoid the torment of internal abuse waiting to pounce the moment we show any weakness. However it's manifested, the self-loathing process is indicative of a divide that exists within all people between our healthy and realistic point of view towards ourselves and the internal enemy or inner coach that fights tooth and nail to assert its inimical ways of looking at ourselves and the lives we're living. According to Dr. Lisa Firestone and Joyce Catlett in the book Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice, The causes of self-loathing lie in the past, when as children, we were trying to cope with our lives in the best way possible. The nature and degree of this division within ourselves depends on the parenting we received and the early environment we experience. Parents, like all of us, have mixed feelings towards themselves. They have things they like about themselves, and they have self-critical thoughts and feelings too the same negative feelings that parents have towards themselves are unfortunately often directed toward their children as well. If a parent has unresolved feelings from either trauma or loss in their past, this will impact their reactions towards their children. Because of their acute sensitivity to pain and negative circumstances, children of all ages pay particular attention to and are more affected by even small incidences of parents' anger. They may experience a parent's anger, whether acted out or not, as being life-threatening. In any case, children in stressful situations often feel threatened to the core of their being and frightened for their lives. During times of stress, when children are afraid, they stop identifying with themselves as the helpless child and instead identify with the verbally or physically punishing parent. The child tends to take on the anger, fear, self-hatred, in fact, the whole complex of emotions the parent is experiencing at that time. And so, due to very human Very fallible upbringings, we have all been subjected to situations and times in which we're made to feel like we're somehow bad, inadequate, or desperately needing to prove otherwise. Robert Firestone's most recent work, Overcoming the Destructive Inner Voice True Stories of Therapy and Transformation, is a book of short stories in which he relates various therapeutic experiences from his career. Self-loathing seems to be an underlying theme among many of these very personal narratives, particularly the chapter entitled The Uninvented, in which Dr. Firestone is a student in psychology at Denver University when an old friend drops in, almost catatonic, seeking help. In fiercely funny and sharply intelligent prose, Dr. Firestone describes this young man's struggle set against the rich backdrop of his own personal experiences. Often the process that underlies self-loathing, the critical inner voice or internal coach, seems as though it might just be your conscience. For instance, it may tell you about things you're doing that are not in your interest, just like your conscience does. But this process is opposed to your self-interest. Your conscience will tell you not to have that one drink too many. This process first lures you into taking that drink and then attacks you viciously for having taken it. Your conscience may nag at you to revisit a conversation in which you may not have been kind, for instance. And from there, you can think about it and decide what you'd like to do. The internal enemy either justifies your having been rude by attacking the other person. He deserved it. He was such a jerk. Or it berates you furiously for your part. You're always so touchy and mean. No wonder no one likes you. No matter what the circumstances you find yourself in, a nasty point of view towards yourself is never warranted. It's never in your self-interest. The proper viewpoint towards yourself should be one of friendship. Think about yourself and treat yourself as you would a close friend, respectfully with affection, with understanding and empathy, and maybe most importantly, with a sense of easiness and humor. powerful in your own right, free to choose any point of view or course of action available to you. Any inner voice that defies you, either tearing you down, you're such an idiot, or building you up, you're the smartest one in the school, is attempting to take away your power and freedom. You must be your own advocate, taking your own side in life. There are many avenues through which to address the issue of self-loathing. First, Just by becoming aware that a division exists within us allows for a more rational, reasonable assessment of events in your daily life. Once we've identified this process as being different from honest self-reflection, we're then able to think more objectively about ourselves and the various situations we encounter. There are a variety of therapy techniques geared toward helping people to address the negative ways of viewing themselves that lead to self-loathing. Challenging the tendency towards self-loathing is one of the most valuable uses of your time and energy. As we extricate ourselves from this inimical process, we become freer to experience ourselves and the lives we're living from a kindly and empowered perspective. Have you ever gotten ready to go somewhere? found what you thought to be a perfect ensemble in your closet, accessories to dazzle it up, and the perfect shoes to top it off. You head to the mirror to get the full scope of things, and immediately the daggers come out and you could swear you have an apple on top of your head as one goes whizzing by you. You might be vocal, even cursing at the mirror as if it's to blame, but most of it goes unmentioned as it silently loops in your brain. It's our narrative. It's how we think of ourselves and what ultimately defines who we think we are. Could it be as easy as changing our narrative? Sounds easy enough, but the problem is so much of what we see is deeply rooted and continues to bubble up subconsciously. You can put yourself back at the crossroads But take control and stop. No longer am I going to listen to the broken record. Instead, I'm turning left and will begin to untangle the web of lies I tell myself by pushing back and challenging those beliefs. I do have purpose. I am beautiful. I deserve good things in my life. What's your story? Whether we're aware of it or not, we're all born storytellers. Rory McKay explains more about this in an article, Is It Time to Change Your Story? found on UnbrokenSelf.com. From the moment we're born, life is a never-ending stream of experience. As we move through life, the way we make sense of reality is to convert these experiences into a narrative. This narrative is a series of stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, other people, and life. Human beings are, as John Gottschall puts it, storytelling animals. We understand life in terms of stories. Our stories determine our entire experience of reality. They shape our personality, thoughts, feelings, behavior, and worldview. This, in turn, determines the way we think, feel, behave, and transact with life. Psychology professor Jonathan Adler explains, Life is incredibly complex. There are lots of things going on in our environment and our lives at all times, and in order to hold onto our experience, we need to make meaning of it. The way we do that is by constructing our lives into stories. Objective reality becomes inextricably bound with our mind-created subjective reality. This is an unconscious process, often leaving us unable to distinguish between the two. In short, our interpretation of reality usually becomes mistaken for reality itself. A single event may be experienced by a hundred different people those hundred people will have a slightly or even radically different experience of that same event. Our stories are, therefore, not so much based on what happens externally, but how we interpret it internally. Rory said, A while back I caught myself telling someone, I'm having a bad week. In actual fact, there was no good or bad about it. Like any week, it was simply a series of events. Events and happenings are in themselves neutral. The only value they have is the value the mind assigns them. Depending on our personal preferences and predilections, what might be a good experience for one person may be a terrible experience for another. Some people absolutely thrive on challenge and feel alive in high-stress situations. Others find the pressure unbearable and prefer the quieter life. So just who do you think you are? Our stories about life are determined by who we are. And to a large extent, who we are is determined by our stories about life. As a baby or toddler, we had a little in the way of ego or sense of self. We cried when we were hungry, laughed when someone tickled us, played with our toys as and when we wanted, and let's be honest, we pooped our pants anytime we jolly well felt like it. <laughs> we were just life expressing itself freely and without reserve or censor. This obviously doesn't last much beyond the first few years of life. What happens in the mind begins crafting a sense of self. This sense of me and who I am is generated by many factors, the primary ones being our environment and what happens to us and how we interpret those experiences. A large part of our story of self is based upon what others have told us about ourselves and the world. According to society's rule book of life, we're told what is good and what is bad, and the difference between beautiful and ugly, and what we should and shouldn't be. Here's where we need to do a bit of self-reflection. Answer honestly. Were you brought up to believe that you are strong, capable, and in control of your life? Or did you internalize the notion that you were somehow lacking, deficient, and at the mercy of a cruel, hostile world? Are you sufficient to deal with all that life brings, or do you believe you're somehow not good enough and don't have what it takes? Make no mistake, the story you tell yourself about yourself is what will ultimately make or break you. So, is it positive or negative? Either way, it's just a story, and the stories can be changed many of us have a tendency to focus on our perceived lacks and failings. These are determined by the mind alone. Excessive focus on lack and failures results in a distorted internal narrative and an unhealthy view of self. Instead of being the hero of your own story, we might be the victim, or even worse, a villain. If we view ourselves as helpless and downtrodden, and at the mercy of an unjust and cruel world, We're defeated from the very start. We'll feel powerless and lost. This hopelessness will lead to all kinds of mental and emotional problems and a crippling sense of paralysis. It's clearly not a healthy state to live in. But the thing is, it can be changed in a moment. Whatever your life has been and whatever role you've inadvertently cast yourself, it's essential to recognize that you are the king or queen of your own story. We've all suffered in life. We've fought, loved, dreamt, and yearned, had our hearts broken to pieces and won at some things while losing at others. We've had traumas, lost people we loved, and struggled to find our place in life and deal with hardship and challenges of many kinds. This doesn't make us a victim in life. It makes us a fighter. Whether you care to admit it or not, life is something we don't often have that much power or control over. But we absolutely can control the way we interpret it, the meaning we assign it, and the way we respond to it. That's where our true power lies. So take a moment to explore and, if necessary, reevaluate the story you tell yourself about yourself. If you don't see yourself as an absolute king or queen and a courageous kick-A kind of fighter dealing with what will always be a difficult and challenging world, then you need to start seeing yourself in a different light. You've been through so much, and you're still here, and you're still fighting. Why focus on what you might perceive as failure or lack instead of recognizing how far you've come through so many adversities and challenges? The greatest stories ever told reflect what Joseph Campbell calls the hero's journey. The path every human being must take through life. It's a journey of trial, challenge, loss, adventure, and ultimately redemption. We are each the hero of our own journey, our own life. It's time to recognize that and see yourself as the hero you are. You don't have to immediately feel like a winner to be courageous. You are here, doing the work, wanting to know more, share, learn, and grow. That's winning. I would like to remember the specific day where I realized that enough was enough and I needed to find a new way. The day I learned I didn't have all the answers yet, but that there was so much more to learn. I keep racking my brain, but I'm not sure it boils down to just one major life event. Maybe the revelation came with age, as so much does. Slowly letting your guard down, softening up, physically and mentally, hmm, and being open and honest with yourself. It's the guy who is walking the race, taking the time to look at the clouds, reminisce about the things he's learning. The Charlie horse, the blistered feet, and the first place medals stuffed in the back of the closet. The flowers and how they will brightly display themselves whether anyone stops to smell them or not. Given that life continues to speed up at record's pace, he's no longer in a rush. Someday, somehow, I realize that there's more to learn and much to love. I just had to get out of my own way. Can you relate to that? What are you telling yourself? What do you tell other people? Sometimes it's audible and we're saying it out loud, verbally. Sometimes, and most times, it's just in our head and it plays on a constant loop. Have you caught yourself doing that? Have you stopped yourself from doing that? What about self-sabotage? Have you always said, why do I always get my own way? How can we control that type of behavior? Crystal Raypool opens our eyes about how self-sabotage holds you back in her article for Healthline.com. Why do I keep doing this? How does this keep happening to me? You might ask yourself these questions when you feel trapped in patterns that create problems in your life and keep you from achieving your goals. Although you try to make changes and disrupt these patterns... Somehow, you end up in the same place again and again. If this sounds familiar, you could be sabotaging yourself. Self-sabotage refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold you back and prevent you from doing what you want to do. What does it look like? You can sabotage yourself in a number of ways. Some are obvious, but others are a bit harder to recognize. How about blaming others when things go wrong? Sometimes bad things just happen without anyone being at fault. Sure, some misfortunes might be solely the fault of someone else, but that's not always the case. If you tend to find fault elsewhere, whenever you're faced with difficulties, it may be worth taking a closer look at the part you played in what happened. Say your partner has some relationship behaviors that affect you both. You decide they won't change and break up with them. You feel good about the breakup since their unwillingness to change kept you from moving forward together. Your friends agree you did the right thing. But if you don't take time to explore how you might have contributed to some of those issues in the relationship, well then, you sabotage your chance to learn and grow from your experience. Choosing to walk away when things don't go smoothly There's nothing wrong with moving on from situations that don't meet your needs. This might be the best option sometimes, but it's usually wise to take a quick step back and ask yourself first if you really made an effort. Maybe you can't seem to stay in a job for very long. You left one job because your supervisor treated you unfairly. You were let go from a second because of overstaffing you left your next job because of toxic co-workers, and so on. These are valid reasons, but such a pervasive pattern could have something more to do with it. Doubts about your own ability to succeed or hold a steady job could lead you to do things that disrupt your performance or keep you from thriving at work. Maybe you're afraid of conflict or criticism. It's tough, but working through challenges and problems Help you grow. When you give up before you've put in much effort, you may not learn how to make different choices in the future. How about procrastination? Have you ever found yourself stalled or stuck when faced with an important task? You're far from alone on this. You've prepared, done all the research, and sat down to get started only to find you just can't begin. Your motivation has completely disappeared. So you avoid the task by cleaning out the refrigerator, not organizing your junk door, or starting a movie marathon. More like it. Procrastination can happen for no apparent reason, but it typically has an underlying cause. Like feeling overwhelmed by what you need to do, trouble managing time, doubting your ability or skills, Picking fights with friends or partners. You can subtly undermine yourself and harm your relationship in a number of ways. Maybe you're always ready to argue, even over things that don't really matter, like who chose the last restaurant you went to. Or you do things to provoke reactions like leave a mess in the kitchen on purpose or forget important dates. On the flip side, you might get offended easily or take things personally, whether they're directed at you or not. You may have a hard time talking about your feelings, especially when you're upset. So you resort to snark and passive aggression instead of more effective communication methods. Dating people who aren't right for you. Self-sabotaging behaviors often appear in relationships. Dating people who don't check all the boxes is one type of relationship sabotage. You might keep dating a similar type of person, although your relationships keep ending badly. Try to make things work with a partner who has different goals for the future. Stay in a relationship that's going nowhere. Maybe you're monogamous, but keep developing attractions to non-monogamous people. You give non-monogamy a try, more than once, but end up frustrated and hurt each time. Or you want kids, but your partner doesn't. Everything else is working, so you stay in the relationship, secretly hoping they'll change their mind. By falling into these patterns, you're preventing yourself from finding someone who's a better match long-term. Do you have trouble stating your needs? If you have a hard time speaking up for yourself, you may have a hard time getting all your needs met. This can happen in family situations, among your friends, at work, in romantic relationships, in everyday interactions. What about putting yourself down? People often set much higher standards for themselves than they do for others. When you fail to meet these standards, you might give yourself some pretty harsh feedback. I can't do anything right. I won't make it, so why should I even bother? Wow, I really messed up, I'm terrible at this. Whether you criticize yourself in front of others or have a habit of negative self-talk, the same thing can happen your words may eventually be taken as truth. Believing these criticisms can promote an attitude of self-defeat and keep you from wanting to try again. Eventually, you might just give up before you even begin. So what causes it? According to Joseph, self-sabotage happens when you do certain things that were adaptive in one context, but no longer necessary. In other words, these behaviors helped you adapt to a previous situation, like a traumatic childhood or a toxic relationship, and survive the challenge you faced there. They may have soothed you or defended you, but these methods of coping can cause difficulties when your situation changes. Here's a closer look at some of the big contributing factors. Patterns learned in childhood. The patterns laid down in our earliest relationships often repeat in relationships throughout life. We're attached to these patterns. They mean something to us, and they're hard to give up. Say you had a parent who never paid much attention to you unless you were angry. Hmm. You know it's not a good thing to get people mad, but there's something very compelling about it because of this upbringing. Getting people angry was the only way to get interest, so you feel stuck in this pattern. It's tempting, attractive even, to get people mad at you. This might show up, for example, in your job, where you just can't seem to show up on time. At first, your supervisor is forgiving and encouraging, but as time goes on and you still fail to be on time, your supervisor gets angry and eventually fires you. Past Relationship Dynamics If you didn't feel supported or heard when asking for what you needed in previous relationships, romantic or otherwise, you might struggle to communicate effectively in your current relationships. Whether you had an abusive partner or one who simply didn't care about your thoughts and feelings, you may not have felt able to speak up for yourself. You stayed quiet to defend yourself from anger, rejection, and other negative experiences. But as a result, you didn't learn to advocate for your needs. Your present situation differs from the past, but it can be difficult to break out of the same destructive patterns. You have a fear of failure. When you don't want to fail at your dream job, in a relationship, or even at being a good parent, you might unintentionally sabotage your own efforts to do well. Wanting to avoid failure can lead you to avoid trying. If you don't try, you can't fail, right? So your unconscious mind might present you with excuses and ways to sabotage yourself. For example, imagine you're in a newer relationship that's going very well. So well, in fact, you believe it's only a matter of time before something happens to end it. This is too good, you tell yourself. It can't last, you say. You don't want to face the end, so you begin retreating from your partner, closing yourself off emotionally, and starting arguments. Generally speaking, you're motivated to bring about your own failure so you aren't surprised when it happens on its own. A need for control. Self-sabotaging behaviors can also develop from your need to control a situation. When you're in control, you might feel safe and strong and ready to face anything that comes your way. Some types of self-sabotage provide this sense of control. What you're doing may not be great for your emotional health or relationships, but it helps you stay in control when you feel vulnerable. Take the procrastination example. Maybe you're putting off the research paper because deep down you're worried you won't write it as well as you'd hoped. You know, writing it at the last minute won't help the quality, but it will put you in control of the outcome because you chose to write it at the last minute. This can also happen in relationships. Opening up to someone emotionally can feel incredibly vulnerable. By keeping things in, you maintain what feels like the upper hand. But, At the end of the day, you aren't reaping the rewards of building intimacy or sharing vulnerabilities. Hmm. Let's talk about some tips for overcoming it. Behaviors that work for you in the past generally don't help as much once your circumstances change. In fact, they often cause some harm. But you keep doing them because they work so well for you once upon a time. The good news? It's possible to disrupt self-sabotaging patterns with a little effort. First, you have to identify the behaviors. It's not always easy to examine your actions deeply enough to note patterns of self-sabotage. Admitting we are self-sabotaging is painful. Nobody rushes to that conclusion. We tend to avoid it as long as possible until we have no choice but to face it. If you feel comfortable examining your behavior to find patterns, it helps to look at areas of life where things seem to regularly go wrong. Do any common factors stand out? For example, maybe you detach from relationships and begin picking fights once your partner says, I love you. Or maybe you have a pattern of quitting jobs right before your annual review. You need to learn what sets you off. Once you figure out how you sabotage yourself, take note of when you do these things. What makes you feel like you have to act out? Maybe an angry tone in your partner's voice reminds you of being yelled at in childhood. You always shut down, even when the anger isn't directed at you. Other triggers that often put self-sabotaging behaviors in motion are boredom, fear, things going well, self-doubt. Track your triggers in a journal. Practicing mindfulness or non-judgmental awareness of your thoughts and behaviors in the present moment can also help. Each time you uncover a trigger, try to come up with one or two productive reactions to replace the self-sabotaging behavior. Practice getting comfortable with failure. It's normal to feel afraid of rejection, failure, and other emotional pain. These things are generally not fun to deal with, so you take steps to avoid them. This becomes problematic when the steps you take involve self-sabotage. You might prevent unwanted experiences, but you're also bound to miss out on things you do want, like a strong relationship, close friends, or career opportunities. To manage this fear, work on accepting the as of failure in pain. This is a hard task, and it won't happen overnight. Start small by attempting to view your next failure, whether it's a relationship gone sour or a missed opportunity at work, as a possibility instead. Maybe the end of this relationship means you can finally hit on that cute barista. Or the missed work opportunity means you'll have a bit more free time to get back into your hobbies. It's important to talk about it. If you notice certain patterns keep appearing in your relationships, try talking to the people you're closest to about them. You might try saying this to your partner. I want our relationship to work, but I'm afraid of it failing. If I seem to shut down or pull away, it's because I'm afraid of losing you. I'm trying to work through it, but... I don't want you to think I don't care in the meantime. According to Joseph, simply talking through a self-sabotaging pattern out loud can prevent you from carrying it out. Plus, it can be a powerful learning experience when the situation plays out along a different path, not down the path of self-sabotage. Identify what you really want. Self-sabotage can happen when you're looking for a way out. These behaviors help suggest something about your situation isn't working for you. You might be easily distracted if you feel unfulfilled at work because your daily tasks don't use any of your specialized skills. Or you might tell yourself you want a relationship even though you're happiest when you're single. In response, every time you move past the casual dating stage, you start creating conflict. No matter what your self-sabotage is, It's important to identify it. Be honest with yourself and take a step forward to freedom. As we bring the show to a close, let's go through our top 10 highlights. Number one, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, a nasty point of view toward yourself is never warranted. Number two, you are powerful in your own right, free to choose any point of view or course of action available to you. Number three, challenging the tendency towards self loathing is one of the most valuable uses of our time and energy. Number four, no longer am I going to listen to the broken record. Instead, I'm turning left and will begin to untangle the web of lies I tell myself by pushing back and challenging those beliefs. Number five, whatever your life has been and whatever role you inadvertently cast yourself in, it's essential to recognize that you are the king or queen of your own story. Number six, it's time to recognize that and see yourself as a hero. That you are number seven there's nothing wrong with moving on from situations that don't meet your needs number eight when you give up before you've put forth much effort you may not learn how to make different choices in the future number nine wanting to avoid failure can lead you to avoid trying if you don't try you can't fail right And number 10, practicing mindfulness or non judgmental awareness of your thoughts and behaviors in the present moment can help. share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, recognize the crossroad and come to a complete stop. Before you choose your direction. Make a commitment to let go of past behaviors and be willing to embrace a new perspective. Challenge the negative narrative with not today. Today, I'm turning left and continuing my journey to self-discovery. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone threw until the path was clear That's when I found you How I wound up here